We are just about at the midpoint of the NHL season, and it is time to start talking awards. Today, we are going to power rank the Hart Trophy contenders. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. I am Nick Zararsh, joined by my co-host, Hunter Hodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Hunter, we are getting to the point now where we can start looking at the big picture. We have a good idea of what teams are actually good, who the playoff teams are. We've talked a lot about how there's basically three playoff spots up for grabs between both conferences for about seven or eight teams to fight over. And we're starting to get the narratives that are driving those teams forming. And that's generally what fuels a lot of the awards in the NHL. The NHL, I feel like very much like the NBA, the narratives can take over and very quickly the narrative becomes more important than the performance. I mean, Eric Carlson won the Norris last year, recorded a hundred points for the first time as a defenseman someone since the nineties didn't do it on a good team. Didn't meaningfully impact his team's outcomes in any particular way. A lot of people would have argued Adam Fox would have argued Kale McCarr, even though Kale McCarr only played like 60 something games last year. So as we start looking at this, in your mind, when I ask you, what does the Hart Trophy mean to you? How do you think we should be awarding this trophy? I think for the Hart, at least the last few years, Nick, I feel like it's gone to the player who's gotten the most points. It feels like a good bit. And I understand Connor McDavid last year. He had a very historic season. I'm fine with that. But overall, I feel like it's been going in a direction where the player with the most points gets the Hart Trophy. Well, the Art Ross is for the player that has the most points every season. That's why the Art Ross is there. For the Hart, I do think you need to have more of a say for, okay, which player is, as we have on the screen here for those watching on YouTube, most valuable to players' team, right? And for this year, a good argument you can make for two guys that come to mind right away, Sidney Crosby with where the Penguins are at in the playoff bubble, and especially Nikita Kucherov. I mean, Kucherov right now, 28 goals, 72 points in 43 games. The Lightning are very much on the bubble, just like the Penguins. But if you take those 72 points away from Kucherov, that is a bottom 10 team in the league, potentially even a team that's fighting for a lottery pick right now, to be honest with how good Kucherov has been. I'm not trying to disrespect all the other players in the Lightning. It's just that's how good Kucherov has been for the Lightning this year. You take away Sidney Crosby from the Penguins with how he's played this year, I think the Penguins are a bottom 10 team. They are also not playing for a spot in the playoffs. That's what I really look for in terms of the Hart Trophy. Who is playing at this level on a team that may not be a playoff lock, but is in the conversation considering just how good they've been for their respective teams. I just don't think it should go to the player who has the most points each season. I think that's how I see it right now. So uh, two things on that. Number one, 
I think it's a little bit different than just the most points because largely it's been McDavid doing it, which is more than just kind of like, you know, how in reality, Jokic probably should have won three straight MVPs because he had the best numbers and was on a good team. That's kind of what happened with what's happened here, where you could realistically just give it to McDavid every single year. Oh, I mean, he missed a solid month of the season at the start of the year and got off to a bad start once he came back from that injury. And he's still probably going to end up winning this award. So all of this conversation is more or less moot just because the way hockey writers are, unfortunately, like in, in uh, the power rankings amongst the hosts, McDavid is third, even though he's only played 30 something games, he missed quite a bit of time at the beginning of the season, but it, for the purposes of this conversation, let, let's put McDavid aside because he is just he is a force of nature that as good as Austin Matthews, as good as Nathan McKinnon are, they don't get to that tier. They just don't. For McDavid me, least, will be on the ballot no matter what, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, he's always going to be a finalist. And most years he probably deserves to win. It's really just a matter of is the NHL going to get to a point like the NBA did with LeBron, where they could have given LeBron nine, 10 straight MVPs because he genuinely is the best player in the league. But is it most valuable or best? Because those are two different things for the purposes of this conversation. I think we have to try our best to look at more than just the counting stats and the issue with that is the people who vote on this award the pro hockey writers association do not look at more than just the counting stats you and i talk about this a lot the people the voters who vote on these awards for the most part they vote on the team they are most familiar with the team they cover on the day-to-day they see a lot of these guys two times a year if they're in the other conference or if they're in your conference three or if they're in your division four So they don't get a lot of exposure to a lot of guys around the league. And I don't begrudge these people for, okay, I've been at the rink since, you know, 4.30 on a game day. I get out at 11.30 if I filed my story on time. I'm not expecting that person to go home and then watch the last, the third period of the Sharks playing whoever or the Kraken playing whoever, you know, we need to have some reality here when we're talking about our expectations for the voters. But I do think, you know, it's the same thing with Carlson winning the Norris. It'll probably end up being the same thing with McDavid. If you put up a lot of points and you're on a good team, you end up making it. And the thing about the heart is this is one of the few awards where, it is a really good barometer of the caliber of player. In the history of the award, only three non-active players, there are a few players who are in the league right now, Taylor Hall, Corey Perry, this won't be true of, but three players in the history of the award who have won it have not made the Hall of Fame. When Taylor Hall and Corey Perry retire, maybe Corey Perry gets in eventually, but realistically, when you win this award, that is saying you are one of the best players ever in the history of the sport, ever. It is that hard to win because, generally speaking, in hockey, the best player at the top of the food chain dominates. I mean, Gretzky won it nine times. That type of stuff just doesn't happen. I mean, you look around the league today, McDavid's already won it a handful of times. Sid won it once. Malkin won it once. You know, it's hard to win this award multiple times, but McDavid is so special, he might continue to do that. So the last thing on this before we move on to start talking about you and I and our specific ballots When we talk about this award, I think a lot of people, they take it personally when they get when their guy gets left out. And the counterpoint I will say to that is 
there are like nine or 10 guys that deserve to be in this conversation. And the people who vote on the actual award, they only get five spots on their ballot. They get five spots. Each spot is corresponding to a certain amount of points. And that's how they calculate who wins the award. We're going to do our best here over the next two segments to hit as many people as we possibly can. But there are definitely going to be people we leave out just because the nature of conversation. This is probably the most competitive heart trophy race I've seen in the last few seasons, Nick, to be honest, I felt like last year sure. you knew who the finalists were going to be the year before same thing this year. You can make a case for seven to 10, maybe even 11 to 13 players who should be in the top five for each ballot that everyone that has a vote can submit at the end of each season. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see who gets put on the ballots at the end of the season. But I feel like there's not too many wrong answers. I mean, maybe I'll get a little, maybe slighted if Sidney Crosby's not in some people's top five. That's just because I cover the Penguins for the Locked On Penguins podcast. But I'll also totally understand considering how many good players there are in the league right now and how many players deserve to be on this bout. It's going to be a really interesting race down the stretch. I don't think there's a surefire favorite right now. I will give you, I guess, a preview for my ballot. I actually don't think I would have McDavid at number one on my ballot, though I do think I, I will put him on there somewhere, but I don't think he should be the favorite to win the trophy right, right now. Okay, that's a good segue, and we will be right back. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for those moments? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like some moxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one or someone I cared about had a supply chain issue keep them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. The stuff can happen to anyone. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our weekly edition of the Power Rankings. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hunter, I will segue the floor to you. You can give me your five. I'll give my five. And then we can just kind of riff back and forth on guys on our list. So number one for me, I would have Nikita Kucherov winning this award right now with what he has done this season, keeping the Lightning in the fight. If he Again, if he's not on the Lightning and if he's not doing this for the Lightning this season, I think they are well outside of the playoff race. He is my winner right now. Number two on my list, I would probably go... See, I mean, going back and forth on it, to, to, to be honest, I'd go Nathan McKinnon, considering what he's done, 23 goals, 72 points in 45 games. After that, I mean, you can people can call me a Penguins homer. I'd go Sidney Crosby at the number three spot. I know he doesn't have the point totals this season. but he I have Sid's three on mine as well. Yeah. That's not a ridiculous. Sid should be a finalist at the very least. Do I expect him to win the award at the end of this year? No, but what he is doing at age 36 is 
absolutely insane. So those are my first three. After that, I would have Connor McDavid at my four. I mean, he's, he's going to be on everyone's ballot as he should. He had a little bit of a slow start to the season. I wouldn't say he learned how to play hockey again, but you know, a new head coaching change really obviously helped him in the entire team. He's doing what he's done throughout his career. So that's an easy one. And then number five, I've been going back and forth on this. It feels like throughout the day, but I gotta go Elias Pettersson, 58 points, 44 games. He's, I think the biggest reason why the Canucks are one of the best teams in the league. You can argue Quinn Hughes. You can put JT Miller on there if you want, but I'm going to go Pedersen for that number five spot. It was really tough because I could have put a number of other players in there like Pasternak or Panarin, but that's my ballot for right now. Okay. So it's funny you say that because number one, I have Quinn Hughes who has been the driving force for why the Canucks have really turned it around. You could argue it's partially Thatcher Demko, but Quinn Hughes emergence as one of the five best defensemen on the world on a team that hasn't had a good defenseman since 2015, 16, and kind of in a manner where it's not just playing really good defense or really good offense, but both playing all situations, playing 26, 27 minutes a game, really driving play. Number two, I have Nathan McKinnon. Number three, I have Sidney Crosby. Number four, I have Artemi Panarin. And then number five, I have Connor Hellebuck. So I have long oh, okay. argued... Okay. I have long argued that we do not give goalies and defensemen enough love when it comes to the heart because they don't put up the gaudy point totals. I, I argued two years ago, Shesterkin should have won MVP for the season he had. I argued that two, I want to say four years ago, whatever year it was that Roman Yossi had the crazy amount of points, he had a real argument to be in this conversation as well because the Predators weren't a particularly good team, but they made the playoffs in large part because they had a defenseman doing that much. So as far as my thought process, my logic, Hughes is the Best or second best player on the best team in the league. The Vancouver Canucks have been most of this season. Connor Hellebuck, goalie, driving force. I want to say he's first or second in goal saved above expected on a Jets team that's really come out of nowhere this year to be one of the best teams in the league. Panarin has been putting up almost two points a game for the Rangers all season on a Rangers team that doesn't score at five on five. If he doesn't score at five on five, Sid, for the reasons you said, the Penguins have basically no bottom six and it's on him and Malkin to carry the brunt of the scoring and Sid's ability to kind of refine his game and change his game as he's gotten older to just be smarter than everybody else where he doesn't have to exert as much energy. He doesn't have to be as fast on his feet. He just knows where he needs to be and it still looks as easy as ever for him. And then McKinnon has been, you know, every bit as dominant as he's always been and the avalanche aren't as good as they've been in the last few years. And he still looks the part and their depth they're... isn't as strong as it used yeah. to be. And they don't have Landis Gog for this year. He might not even have him for the playoffs when they inevitably get in, but McKinnon is still doing what he's been doing throughout his career, which is why he should easily be on. I think everyone's ballot, to be honest. I think when he's not on the ice, the avalanche, it's hard for them to really generate offense when him and the Ranson and mine are not out there because he's just ridiculous with how good he is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying before, there's not really a wrong answer here. Like all of these guys deserve some attention, some respect for the performance they're putting together. And we're going to talk about other guys in the next segment that we didn't mention that we don't have on our ballots who are equally as deserving. I mean, Kucherov's been outstanding this year. It would have been very easy for him amongst a lot of guys on that team to say, well, we want our cups. I'm getting paid nine and a half million dollars a year. I can coast in the retirement. They'll retire my number. I'm going into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I've had a great career, but he's come in with that same vigor, that same creative playmaking ability, and that same kind of meanness that's been his trademark his entire career and been one of the driving forces. I know Stamkos has been unhappy with how things have gone this year. Braden Point hasn't really been as good as he was during the two playoff runs, though he's still a good player. Victor Hedman's just old. Vasilevsky missed the first couple months of the season, and he hasn't really gotten going yet. But Kucherov's been kind of a North Star to guide that team along. There, the reason, the logic behind my my five guys is these are guys that are driving teams in a way that without it's not just that without them, their team would be in trouble. It's that these guys fill such an important role that I can't like it, it's not just that they would be bad, it's that I can't really comprehend what they would look like without them. Like I can't imagine what any of these teams would look like without these guys. And not just in like a way they'd be bad. It's like they would cease to function like the trickle down effects that Kucherov playing well is having on other guys. Quinn Hughes is having like Hughes playing with Pedersen and Besser and JT Miller is having a trickle down effect on right. that. That's the when same McKinnon, with Rydon, I feel like too, because yeah. with Kucherov. Yeah. I mean, earlier when I was talking about the hard and how I'll, I would vote on it. Yeah. Kucherov does have the most points. So I maybe sound like a hypocrite a little bit, but that's not the reason why I'm voting him at number one on my ballot. I'm voting for him because he is most valuable to his team. And without him, the Lightning would not even be in the playoff race this year. Yeah, he has the points, which is what a lot of the voters are going to look at. But outside of that, he has been their MVP and has arguably been the best player in the league this year. You can say that for Nathan McKinnon as well. Sidney Crosby, even though he doesn't have the points, he has still been the Penguins MVP by far. Pedersen, Honestly, I'm putting him on the ballot for the same reasons that you put Quinn Hughes on there. Yeah, I know Quinn Hughes is probably a top five defenseman in the league right now, but Pedersen, with the way that he has played this year, heading into a contract year, I know RFA-wise, Nick, he's going to get quite the raise after this year, and for good reason. I think a lot more people are starting to see just how good he is as a player. And for as far as the Canucks go, they go as far as both him and Hughes go. It was really close in terms of leaving him off the ballot for Quinn Hughes or a couple of these other guys that we'll discuss later on in the show. But that was kind of my reasoning for the players on my ballot, say at least. And obviously McDavid, that means no explanation. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's no wrong answers here. You know, that all of these guys are having really strong seasons and it's just, it's fun. That's the thing I, I, I like to highlight when we're having these types of conversations is this is a fun argument. There, there's yeah. no need to get mad. There's no need to get slighted. These are all really good hockey players. This is a good thing, like you were saying. And it's unfortunate, you know, McDavid missed a couple of weeks and he didn't play particularly well for those few weeks. But that's one of the reasons we're having a real MVP conversation for the first time in a few years is that McDavid missed some time and other guys had an opportunity to put up decent numbers before McDavid started rattling off two and a half points per game for the entire season. And the Oilers just stunk under their old head yeah. coach before a new head coach comes along who has history with McDavid. And, oh, what do you know? McDavid starts kicking butt once again once he gets back healthy. So it was nice for, 
I guess McDavid to give everyone a head start before he gets back into the hard trophy race. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. And we will wrap up talking about some other guys who didn't make our ballots, but are still worth talking about slightly in a minute. We are all driven by a search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search for it all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. One of the things I love about Indeed is the fact that it has it it has testing and other features like set up meetings directly through the website with potential employees. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So as we wrap up today's episode and kind of branch out a little bit more, we could talk about Sasha Barkov as somebody who comes to mind, who's having a really strong season, who's got really elite defense, putting up good counting stats on one of the best teams in the entire Should league. Should win the Selkie also. Oh, I think Barkov has got the Selkie tied up at this point, barring disaster. I mean, last year, I want to say he sure was the runner up and he missed some time and Devils haven't been as good and he hasn't played as good defensively. The Devils, you know, a lot of people would have said coming into the year, Jack Hughes, he's missed too many games to really be in this conversation, though he's still having a pretty strong season. You could talk about some of the other guys bouncing around. We could talk about Jason Robertson or Rupe Hintz. We could talk about there are so many guys that come to mind as far as we could talk about Bo Horvat as, you know, a down ballot guy who's having a really strong season somewhere else. And there's another one I can put in there for you as well, Nick. How about Sam Reinhart for the Florida Panthers? He has been unbelievable this year for the Panthers. Feels like he scores every game for them. And he is, outside of Barkov, I think he's the main reason why the Panthers are this good yet again. 33 goals already. He's top 10 in scoring, 56 points in 44 games. He should also be getting some consideration for the heart because, you know, I always knew he was a good player. I didn't think he was ever going to be this good for the cats and he should be in there. I mean, Pasternak, he has 61 points, 43 games, the Bruins. I didn't expect them to be this good this year, especially after losing Krejci and Bergeron. And you you know, Pasternak, he played with both centers quite a bit last year and he is still putting up these numbers despite the Bruins really not having much center depth. They have Charlie Coyle up there. And then honestly, there's not much else for lines two, three, and four in terms of center depth, but He's still doing this because he's one of the best players in the league. You can throw JT Miller in there as well for the season that he's having. You can throw in, I mean, you have him on your ballot. Artem Panarin would probably be in that number six, number seven range for me. 
He's having a great year for the Rangers after, I guess, a little bit of struggles last year. I don't think he was nearly. He wasn't good at five. five. He wasn't this effective at five on five. That's the biggest thing. He is is shooting the most of any season in his entire career this year, and it's made everybody else better. I mean, Trocek and Lafreniere are both going to have career years just by riding Panarin's coattails. That's not a knock on them as players. It's just when you're playing with somebody who's playing as well as Panarin is, it's going to make everybody else better. And you can throw a couple of the Leafs players in there too, yeah. William Nylander. And I know the Leafs are mid, as the kids like to say, but Nylander has been ridiculous this year, well over a point per game. You can make an argument that he's been the Leafs' best player, even above Austin Matthews. And I think Matthews will obviously get consideration for the heart as well with how he continues to score. You have those two. You can throw in, you know, obviously Quinn Hughes as well. He was on your ballot. You can throw in Ranson in. There's a lot of players that you can put in a ballot for a top five. It's just so hard considering how many great, how many players are having great seasons is how I want to put it. That that's the good part of this conversation. As much as we complain about the NHL for a lot of different things, we are getting to a point now where the average NHL player is so much more infinitely more talented than the average NHL player of five, 10 years ago. You think about the guys who were on the bottom half of rosters 10 years ago. Those guys wouldn't be able to play in today's league. And you think about the best players in today's league in comparison to the best players in the league 10 years ago. You think about the difference between McDavid now and what, say, the Sedin brothers were or what Sid was 10 years ago. And that's not a knock on Sid or the Sedin brothers. It's that McDavid is every bit as those guys good as those guys as a playmaker and a shooter. He's also just the fastest skater in the world on top of that. You know, when you when you when you have that level of dynamic ability that McDavid has a good shot. He doesn't have a great shot. When you have a good shot with the playmaking and the skating, that's insane. When you talk he about Austin guys, guys like it's nothing. And you see it on a yeah. nightly basis from him. Yeah, no, Matthew uh, McDavid makes grown men look like children when we're talking about the same thing with Matthews and his release. I mean, I've always said I thought Ovechkin would be the best shooter I'd ever see, but Matthews' release is every bit as good. I mean, Matthews can score from pretty much everywhere. That shot is really, really, really insane. And if he production for his career and stays healthy, Nick, we could be having a conversation many years from now where – does Matthews have a chance to even overtake how many goals Alex Ovechkin has considering the pace that Matthews has been on each season. If he were to keep that up. And I know that's a big, if considering how great Ovechkin has been throughout his career. And he's, he's the best. I think he's the greatest goal scorer the league has ever seen, but if Matthews is able to keep up that pace throughout these next, you know, five, 10 years, we could be having that conversation by the end, by towards the end of Matthew's career. Honestly, I mean, the biggest thing working against him is that the league's unstable. Yeah. Ovechkin would have the record already if it weren't for the lockouts. Mm-hmm. Ovechkin would have the record if it weren't for the lockouts and the pandemic. Ovechkin would have the record by yes. now, hundred percent, because Ovechkin lost 04, which would have been his rookie year. He lost half of twenty twelve. He lost. 10 games in 2012 mm-hmm. he lost 20 uh, 2020 he lost like 20 something games in 2023 to uh 2021 and then just you know the various nicks and bruises ovechkin's been relatively healthy most of his career but if the league can get its act together and find long-term labor stability and matthews can stay healthy he's gonna have a good lot he's gonna have a good shot at it i mean he's come out of the gate hot i mean you keep putting up 50 goal seasons this uh, this easily this effortless effortlessly words are hard 
cards sometimes, especially those multi-syllable ones. You keep putting together seasons like this, this early in your career, you're going to have a good shot. It's just a matter of how long he wants to play. Before we wrap up, and we we will end up vis- revisiting this topic closer to the end of the season, I imagine. Is there anybody we're not currently talking about that you think has the capability of jettisoning themselves into this conversation? See, it, it's interesting. Um, it, it's hard, but I mean, maybe Philip Forsberg for the Predators, if the Predators are able to get into the playoffs. He's having a really good season overall, 22 goals, 48 points. His underlines have been really strong. I think he could get into that conversation if he continues to play at this level. And if the Predators make the playoffs, I will say UC Soros had a bit of a slow start and he's been able to bounce back. But Forsberg has been all gas, no breaks throughout the season. I could see him potentially getting into that conversation. Outside of that, I mean, there's not really too many that I'm thinking of off the top of my head right now. Maybe Brock Besser with the way he's shooting this year for the Canucks. He feels like all the Canucks top players are just having the seasons of their life or close to it. So you can you can make an argument for a lot of those guys. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, he struggled also a bit out of the gate under the old coach. But ever since the new coach took over, he's been, like McDavid, just a completely different player and has gotten back to the level that we saw him play at last year. I could see him sneaking into the race as well if he goes on a few heaters. So those are just a couple off the top of my head right now that I'm thinking. If there were a player that was playing maybe at that level with the Flyers, and actually now that I think about it, this is maybe a major dark horse. Sean Couturier, if the Flyers do end up making the playoffs, he's had a pretty nice renaissance year. I knew that Couturier was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be this good defensively and honestly get back to the level that we saw him play at in 2012, 2013, 2014, when he was one of the best defensive forwards forwards in the league. Excuse me. He sometimes maybe doesn't have the points, but he's been great for the Flyers this year. And again, that's a major, major dark horse. I think all of all the players we've named, he's below all those guys. But if he takes it up to another level and the Flyers get into the playoffs, I could see him getting some votes potentially when the season comes to him because the Flyers, you know, it feels like we've been waiting for them to just get out of the race, but they've shown no indication that they want to do that. <laughs> no, they really haven't. It, it, it's bizarre when you think about it. Um, that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube as well. Hunter and I will see you guys next week.